You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent at Pepsi Fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. We, of course, have another rousing edition of Zhao You Doing, Lily Zhao, to join the program in just a little bit. We're going to talk about the fallout from A.J. Dillon's COVID test. We're going to talk about the trade deadline that wasn't. And, of course, preview the 49ers game. We will have our crossover edition to get you a full-on behind-enemy-lines look at the 49ers in advance of Thursday's game on Thursday with Brian Peacock from Locked On 49ers and the Peacock and Williamson Show. And of course, if you haven't signed up for the Locked On Packers newsletter, go ahead and do that. I will make sure that the link gets tweeted out tomorrow and today from our handle uh, so that anyone that, that wants to get that can grab that. Let's start today, though, with the trade deadline. We'd heard for close to 48 hours that the Packers and the Texans were involved in some sort of discussion for Will Fuller. That, of course, did not happen. The Packers reportedly offered a fourth for Will Fuller. The Texans wanted a two, and the two sides couldn't meet in the middle. Now, I understand the Texans saying, this is what this guy is worth to us. They think they can get you know, a late third for a comp pick if they don't resign him. Maybe then okay, you're not gonna you're not gonna give up that value. I understand that. If you're the Packers, you're saying, look, he's only worth a fourth to us. It's eight games at most, and maybe he plays five with his injury history, and we don't have the salary cap space to re-sign him. I understand saying that's what it's worth. You believe that Emmanuel Sanders was an overpay, you believe that Mohamed Sanu was an overpay. Of course they were. You don't want to overpay because whatever the reason is, Green Bay doesn't overpay. They pick a number and that's the thing. I don't begrudge them that part of it, saying this is what we think Will Fuller is worth. That's fine. I I, I guess I would have done it for a three. I think that makes a lot of sense. But the, the fourth, if that's the deal... I don't think there's a big enough gap there for me to say it makes a huge difference for Green Bay. It does, especially in a season where draft picks are going to be so important and the salary cap is going to be a disaster. You need to have as many shots, as many bites at the apple as you can get with young players on rookie salaries. And that was the point that was made by the founder of Track in the wake of the deal that, that the Packers probably saved themselves and made a smart business decision in the process. What I don't understand 
is over the course of the offseason, the front office made it clear they wanted to improve the receiver position and that they were not going to wait. That was the word Brian Gutekinds used. That was the phrasing that he used. I'm not putting words in his mouth. We are not going to wait. We are not going to hesitate to find someone to the point that I speculated they were going to trade up for a receiver. They did trade up, just not for a receiver. Ultimately, I don't have to tell you, they didn't come away with a receiver. In free agency, they try and sign Emmanuel Sanders. He decides to go to New Orleans. They do sign Devin Funchess. We know through those actions, they wanted to add a receiver. They did, and then they didn't because Devin Funchess opted out. Then at the trade deadline, they call on Zach Ertz, and they try. Your mileage may vary on how hard you think they actually tried, but they were in talks with the Texans for a receiver. They decided the cost ultimately didn't make sense. Okay, okay. Why then do nothing? Why, if you've spent the last six months trying to add at that position, why sit on your hands? Why not say, okay, what about Brandon Cooks? What about Kenny Stills, who you could probably get for a bag of balls and a conditional day three pick? Why not seek out some of these other options? Now, they could still sign Dante Pettis, who the 49ers cut and was a popular player among Packers fans on Twitter to say, hey, look, Packers liked him pre-draft. He's not playing in San Francisco. He's got some talent. Why not give that a shot? Tom Silverstein from the Journal Sentinel said, hey, Green Bay liked him, and they could put in a waiver claim. Well, it's still a waiver claim, and he doesn't get to decide he wants to go to Green Bay. There's a waiver process. Green Bay might be the only team to put in a claim. Green Bay not, might not put in a claim. We don't know. But that is something that's out there. That is not going to be a big-time move. Green Bay made it seem like what they wanted to do was make a big-time move. But if what you want to do is make a big-time move, what you're saying is we want to make our team a lot better. Presumably, the inference that we can draw from that is they think the team needs to be a lot better in a particular way or at least needs to be some amount better. Did they do that? Did they do that by standing pat? Did they do that by doing nothing? No. So these two things are at odds with one another. Again, I understand with saying this is what Will Fuller is worth to us. And I think it's it's hard for me to say, oh, well, they could have just compromised and met in the middle. We have no idea if Houston would have taken a third. And we have no idea if, you know, the Packers came to Will Fuller and, and his crew and, and his agency, his representation and said, hey, look, we want to make this happen. You know, maybe maybe there were ways that this could have been done and maybe Will Fuller could have pushed for it or something. I mean, there are there are ways that this can happen. Now, are all of them, you know, uh, all on the up and up with, with how NFL business is conducted? No, not necessarily. But, but, you know, Green Bay had options here. They didn't take full advantage of those options. And so whether you think that a receiver would help the run defense, as I have made the case over and over, or not, 
there were not, you know, defensive linemen who were going to come in and be useful to the Packers on the block at the trade deadline. The Quinn and Williams deal, that was never going to happen. That was never a thing. And I think Green Bay feels good enough about Chris Barnes and Kamel Martin and eventually Christian Kirksey that they feel like they don't need to make a move at linebacker. The problem for them there is Kamel Martin's not going to play on Thursday against the 49ers team that ran roughshod over the Packers in the NFC Championship game. And the reason he's not going to be there is because Kamel Martin and Jamal Williams were deemed high-risk contacts for A.J. Dillon. So the Packers are going into Thursday with what Ian Rappaport reported as a pessimistic viewpoint on Aaron Jones' status for the game, leaving Tyler Irvin, who's not really a running back, and Dexter Williams, who is a practice squad player who did not make the final 53-man roster despite being a draft pick a year ago. They have never had a ton of faith in Dexter Williams. When there were injuries last year, Jamal Williams goes out in the Philadelphia game. They got to play the Cowboys. Instead of putting in Dexter Williams, they played Trey Carson, who is just the ultimate in sub-replacement level running back. Might be a very nice guy. Has, has never shown anything that suggests he is a useful NFL player. And that guy was playing over Dexter Williams who is supremely physically gifted. And Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers went out of their way to praise the work ethic of Dexter Williams, which to me means, hey, we know we're going to need this guy on Thursday, so let's pump him up a little bit. Let's give him a little bit of confidence. Let's say, hey, we believe in you, even though all of the prior evidence suggests they do not. This is a game on Thursday that is really a, a war of attrition in the most classic sense of the NFL. We talk about it all the time. It's a cliche that, oh, the NFL over the course of a season is a war of attrition. Well, half of the 49ers team in terms of opening day starters are going to be out. And Green Bay is going to be without key players. We don't know if Aaron Jones is going to be ready. We don't know if Alan Lazard is going to be ready or David Bakhtiari or Kevin King or you know any host of, of other player, Christian Kirksey. We don't know if those guys are going to be ready. So Green Bay needs to be able to have a plan to go in offensively and defensively to beat um, uh, probably a sub-mediocre team given its current state. And if they don't, this is going to be a turning point week in this franchise because of the future of Aaron Rodgers and because of the window that they have to win the Super Bowl because of the offseason. They're not going to have money to go spend to maximize the Aaron Rodgers window. A lot turned when the Packers decided not to, not to trade for Will Fuller or anyone when they decided not even Kenny Stills was worth trading for. And, and I understand it takes two to tango. You need someone to say, yeah, I'll do a deal with you to do a deal. But it's a lot like when Andrew Brandt says, you know, if, if, a, if a team wants to resign you, they'll resign you because there's always money in the banana stand. They can always make it work. They can always figure it out. Green Bay chose not to do that. So that puts more pressure on the players already on the roster to go to San Francisco and beat a team they absolutely should beat. From a pure talent standpoint, Green Bay should absolutely beat the 49ers. But from a pure talent standpoint, they absolutely should have beat the Minnesota Vikings as well. Now, I actually think that based on the guys that are going to play Thursday versus the guys that are going to play Sunday, Minnesota was better. I mean... San Francisco does not have a skill player as good as Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, or Dalvin Cook. They don't. 
and their quarterback is not as good as Kirk Cousins. Fred Warner is really good defensively. He's not as good as Eric Kendricks. They don't have another defensive player as good as Harrison Smith or Anthony Harris. And for as good as I think Robert Sala is, I don't think he's as good as Mike Zimmer. So, yeah, the Packers lost to the Vikings. Right now, Vikings are probably better than this version of the 49ers. That means Green Bay absolutely, absolutely has to go win because they decided this team was good enough. And because they decided this team was good enough, they have to go prove it. Before we get to Lily, let's talk again about our sponsor today, Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. It is not as though we have a shortage of things to talk about. We will talk about the Packers situation after A.J. Dillon tests positive for COVID and what that means for some of the other players. We're going to talk 49ers injuries and, of course, the trade deadline. But let's start with the pressing question on everyone's mind. Lily, is how you doing? Is how you doing, Peter? It's uh, It's been a long day, I feel like, for all of us, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Tuesday, which is when we're recording this, is um, was always going to be a long day no matter what. And the trade deadline, instead of doom scrolling Twitter about, you know, world events, uh, we were trying to figure out if the Packers were going to make a trade for Will Fuller. Uh, ultimately, they did not do that. The reporting as we're sitting here now recording is that they discussed the trade. Um, each side, you know, was was at least somewhat motivated to make a deal. Albert Breer reported the Packers wanted Houston to to take on some money, and they couldn't come together on the trade compensation based on the framework of the deal. I don't think anyone was surprised, so I'm not even going to ask you if you were surprised that the Packers didn't make this move. It would have been surprising if they did do it. My question is, did they need to do it? That was the question, I guess, that was posed to Devontae Adams. And he says, and he said he didn't necessarily think so just because of what they were able to do. And I know people are going to point out, well, you might have tried to get somebody for the defensive side of the football, right? Compared, you know, as to what Mm -hmm. uh, happened last Sunday. But it never hurts to add a weapon. And, you know, we, we saw that report, I think, from Diana Rossini, who said that, you know, there was some arguing or a disagreement, I should say, between the higher ups, which, you know, if you're, General Manager Brian Gutekunst is, is it worth it to get Will Fuller just for half a season? You know, I think I think he hits free agency in about a couple months. So is it worth yep. it to get him? I know Packers fans really wanted him. Obviously, if the Packers got him, it would help them. You know, I don't think bringing him to Green Bay would hurt them in any sort of way. But <clears throat> as fans have gotten used to, you know, there was, there was no trade today. Um, I know people are disappointed, but... When, again, you brought it up, you know, when they're not going to give up a decent pick, though, for a guy who's hitting free agency in a couple of months, it was it all comes down to the dollars and, and the picks and they just couldn't work things out. Andrew Brandt said something on Twitter that was he believed that this was about more than just compensation in terms of the draft picks or the money that Houston was going to take on, that if Green Bay was going to give up picks, they likely wanted to do an extension. And that's what would have made sense. 
I'm going to be very careful about my my wording on this. Um, let's just say I wouldn't be surprised if that is, in fact, the case that Green Bay wanted to get an extension done as part of any deal. And so um, that is ultimately what fell apart here in addition to the compensation. Let's say the Packers were able to get an extension done with Will Fuller. What would have been, in your mind, the appropriate comp? Would you have given up the second-round pick Houston apparently wanted in this deal? That would have been a tough go because, like you mentioned, the Packers love their draft picks. So it's can they get away with giving up a second-round pick for a potentially a good grab next year in the draft to get a guy, again, who would play for half a season? But I know you mentioned the extension. It's... I honestly don't know if it would have been worth it. If, you know, maybe they had gotten earlier in the year or whatnot, it might have been. But again, in general manager Brian Gutekunst's eyes, it was what's going to help us long term. And I think that's kind of what he was looking at in terms of the picks versus just what's going to help now. And I know the other argument is, well, you have Aaron Rodgers now, so you want to help him now. You know, you we might not have him in five years. So kind of what are you willing to give? And uh, obviously that too was too high of a pick for them to give up. I talked to a player uh, who said that during the Texans week, uh, Matt LaFleur was effusive in his praise of Will Fuller. And it's not a, it's not a shock that he was the focal point of the defense because Matt LaFleur um, really talked about how dangerous he was. And, and I think that speaks to what uh, Diana Rossini reported, what Rob Domofsky reported, that this was likely a, a difference of opinion between how bad a coach wanted a player and how much the front office thought it was worth to get it. Uh, let's talk about Thursday because we have a quick turnaround here. And so I don't want to shortchange the fact that we've got a preview here. Let's start with the Packers side of this because we know A.J. Dillon is not going to be out there. We now know Jamal Williams and Kamal Martin will also not be out there because they were deemed um, the, the highest risk contacts for A.J. Dillon. Which of those three guys do you think impacts Green Bay the most on Thursday? You know what I mean? Especially with Aaron Jones kind of being, if he's still, I mean, I still think it's uh, Jamal Williams because I know we saw what Kamal Martin can do, but you know, you still want to have a reliable back back there. Not saying that, you know, Tyler Irvin and Dexter Williams can't do it, but, you know, Jamal has the experience, north and south runner. We love his energy, so it's going to hurt not having him, not knowing what's happening with Aaron Jones as well. But you have to kind of look at it as, you know, if there's any team you want to play on a short week with a bunch of your guys not playing, it's the 49ers because they have it much worse off. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo's not playing, Tevin Coleman's not playing, uh, George Cato's not playing, just... I feel like their their entire starting team that beat the Packers back in January is not going to be on the field on Thursday. So if you're going to kind of get like a silver lining out of this, it's the 49ers will not be the 49ers that they played back in January. A bunch of these guys are injured. So if you're going to look at it, it's, you know, yes, the Packers are taking hits in the running back room, but they can overcome it with the weapons that they have at the wide receiver position, even though they didn't add anybody here today. Yeah, I think it's more than half of the the 49ers preferred starters are not going to be on the field on Thursday. And they are not the team that just absolutely train wrecked the Packers in the NFC Championship game and in that regular season game. I I, I don't know how much of this is just Packer fan cynicism, but I, I think there is this idea out there that it's not at all reasonable for the Packers to be favorites in this game. Why do you think, I mean, it's backup quarterback 
All their best playmakers are hurt. Uh, a lot of their their best defensive players are hurt. Why do you think Packer fans are still so scared of this 49ers team? I feel it's, you know, the and I don't want to say it's true for every game um, and every team, but <clears throat> it just feels like, you know, every time you're playing a team where things aren't going well, that just happens to go well against the Packers. You know, Rob Gronkowski wasn't playing like the Rob Gronkowski of the past when he plays the mm. Packers and he gets revitalized. Um, you know, the Vikings are terrible on third down and, you know, their third down rate was huge on Sunday. You know, you don't right. want this to be a game where, oh, it looks like San Francisco is not going to be able to come out of the gates and score any points because half their starters are out. And then you have one guy that kind of steps up and just kind of breaks it open for them. You know, you want the Packers to really clamp down because if you're looking at it on paper, the Packers have the better or the better players at every position because these guys are injured for the 49ers. But it's can they get it done? And I feel like fans kind of probably have that mentality of, you know what, you know, this is a game they should win, but we're still kind of skeptical because anything can kind of go, especially with the defensive side of the football. I, I think there are a lot of Packer fans after what happened on Sunday, speaking of the defensive side of the football, who feel like this is a make or break game for Mike Patton. If you can't stop this version of the 49ers with a backup quarterback, no Debo Samuel, no George Kittle, and you know, not 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 only not Raheem Mostert, but not Tevin Coleman either, then it, it is a pretty damning indictment of this Packers defense and specifically defensive coordinator Mike Patton. Do you do you see it that way? And do you think the Packers could make a, a major change if this goes south on Thursday? You know, you kind of hope that they do because if you're looking at it, you know, with no Tevin Coleman, they have a, I think I'm saying his name right, Jamichael Hasty, I believe. Um, yep. And Eric McKinnon's going to be back there as well. So it's not like these guys don't, you know, st- they, st- they can't play football. These guys still can play. They're paid to play. They're pros. So, but looking at, again, the talent they have on the roster, the Packers should win this game. And like you said, if they get run over, especially on the ground, there's got to be some give there because you don't want it to be, we're, you know, we're past the midway point of the season. You don't want it to be like, we have to get this fixed. We talked about it last week. We know the bl- the blueprint, the formula that teams can use to beat us. That's run the football down our throats. And we still can't stop it, but we still can't stop it with some backups on a 49ers team that is so banged up. So this defense needs to, to, to show up and play on Thursday night because they're playing for Mike Pettin because it's going to be a very bad look if they can't stop anybody on the ground and, and really get to Nick Mullins. So to make the change, though, it's it's who do you bring in? Do you do you elevate somebody within the, the Packers defensive staff? Because at the moment, I'm kind of looking and, you know, who do you bring in from the outside if they do make that change? You know, God forbid they do not play well Thursday night. And I don't have a good answer for that. Would they just move Mike Smith up? Would it be Jerry Gray, who has experience as an NFL defensive coordinator and, and the, the pedigree under Mike Zimmer? I don't know. I mean, it's just it does seem like this is this is a, a turning point in their season to me. And and you can eliminate everything that happened on Sunday. No one's going to remember that they lost to the Vikings if they come out and beat the 49ers. Even as banged up as they are, I think that will be seen as a, a pretty important mental hurdle for this team to overcome. Let's let's try and be positive here, Lily, uh, because you and I, I think, are naturally positive people, naturally upbeat people, um, at least in front of the microphone. <laughs> And I think um, there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of optimism that that some of the players who have been hurt can come back. David Bakhtiari, uh, Ian Rappaport reported that they are pessimistic about Aaron Jones coming back. But Alan Lazard has been practicing. Who 
could potentially come back on Thursday that would be the biggest boost for this team, do you think? Well, I'm going to kind of have to say, I mean, having Allen would be great, but at this point, I'm going to say it's hopefully David Bakhtiari because Aaron Jones, again, because of the report saying it was very, you know, they're very pessimistic about him coming back. I just don't think that they would say that two days before a game if, you know, Aaron Jones is potentially going to play, even though he was listed as a limited participant in their quote-unquote walkthroughs today. I would say David Bakhtiari just gives Aaron Rodgers some more protection up front. Hopefully we can get him back. And then if that happens, it's, you know, he can open up lanes in the running game as well. And that, you know, will hopefully get, be it Tyler or Dexter going. So I would say David Bakhtiari, in my opinion, uh, pending Aaron Jones can't go. My uh, my take on this is that it's Alan Lazard. If they can get Alan Lazard back, I think it opens up a lot for this offense, given the way the tight ends have stepped up and, and their ability to work the middle of the field. I think just having another guy when pressure does come, if there's a blitz or you know Aaron Rodgers has to create off schedule, I think his trust in Alan Lazard is unique to him and Devontae Adams. I don't think anyone else on this roster has that. So I think his return, at least on Thursday, uh, is a big deal for Green Bay. And and if Christian Kirksey could somehow come back, I think that would be another answer. I know I'm cheating and giving two answers, but it's my show, so I'm going to cheat. Uh, I, I think that would be a big boost uh, because I think a, a lot of what is ailing Green Bay is a little bit of organization and a little bit of leadership at that position. And and just on defense in general, for someone to come in as a new voice and just say, look, we, this is not good enough. We got to be better. And to bring that down to down energy, I think Christian Kirksey has that kind of feel to to what he can he can bring them on the field. Yeah, I agree. And you know, he's he's such a vet where um, these guys will rally around him, and you know, he can be that run stopper that they need in the middle as well. So encouraged to see you know who they can potentially bring back in two days. Um, but at this point, they are of course much better off than San Francisco, and they're going to have to take advantage of that because otherwise, I mean, I don't want to be talking about the other narrative of. Packers go out west Thursday night against a very undermanned team and they lose. So we don't want to have to talk about that narrative next week. <laughs> we sure don't. We do not. We, we do not like talking about uh, the Packers after a loss. Um, but the good news for the Packers is uh, they haven't done that two times in a row in the Matt LaFleur era. So uh, that is that is nice. And Aaron Rodgers after a loss is awesome in his NFL career. <laughs> so hopefully those are our markers that can carry them through. Uh, Lily, I appreciate it, and we will talk next week. Thanks, Peter. Before we finish up, let's talk about our old friends at Built Bar. Built Bar makes the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They have six new flavors. If you haven't tried them, check it out. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake, and that's to go along with the peanut butters, the salted caramels, the toffee almonds, and the peanut butter brownies that are already in your rotation, and if they're not, they should be because these guys are 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And best of all, low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. And yet, somehow, they still taste terrific. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin. With the power of academic medicine, the Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network makes more possible, more humanly possible for patients like Aaron Rodgers does for his offense. 
more innovations that lead to life-saving treatments, more breakthroughs for complex diseases, and more locations across the region so that academic medicine is never far. But what exactly is academic medicine anyway? First, it's rare. The Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network is Eastern Wisconsin's only academic health system. Academic medicine makes possible leading-edge primary and specialty care, research to find groundbreaking cures, and the education of the next generation of healthcare professionals. Academic medical centers provide greater access to clinical trials, which can lead to breakthrough treatments and life-saving drugs. Freighter and MCW physicians have been a part of many scientific discoveries of new ways to prevent, diagnose, and treat diseases. It all adds up to more possibilities. And when we do everything humanly possible, you can too. To learn more, visit www.freighter. All right, tomorrow is our crossover Thursday show. I can't believe how fast this week has gone and yet how slowly this week has gone uh, I think some some really good stuff there with Lily in terms of trying to figure out how these these, these COVID losses are going to impact Green Bay, uh, what this team is going to look like moving forward. And again, this is a win they absolutely have to have. So we'll talk with Brian Peacock from Locked On 49ers tomorrow about how and why they will do that. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.